This is episode 50. Episode 50 of all the horrible things. I wish I had those little party boppers, man. Yeah, I'll put that in post. Otherwise, uh, yeah, we can retire now. We're old. We're good. We have our, we know it's going to be on our tombstones. Yep, they did 50 episodes podcast. of a podcast. <laughs> well, I'm proud of us. It's a feat. Gosh darn it. Uh, it's the same week is is my birthday. I know there's going to be some fans that are going to be very disappointed that we are not covering birthday horror. Well, how did you put it? Why did you not want to do it? What was your exact wording? <laughs> well, let's just say the subgenre of birthday horror is not good. Not so good. Not so good. Not so good. Although I would say <laughs> we have beaten the dead horse that is happy death day to you. Yeah, that's for sure. Otherwise, that might be the best within the category because um, happy birthday to you. I mean, most of them are from the 70s and 80s otherwise. Yeah, right. And, and Wait a minute. Okay, but just remind me, I should know this because we talk about it so darn much, but in Happy Death Day, is it also her birthday? Because yeah, it is. Okay, all right. That's fine. All right. That, then yes, that qualifies. Yes. It's her birthday. She's supposed to have lunch with her dad. We find out her mom has passed and that's what they were celebrating. Yeah. So that's the at least contemporary definitive birthday horror. But I digress. We're talking swarm today. And that's the real reason. When you, so I didn't just say let's not do birthday horror. You came up with a really a great alternative, which everyone's talking about this show right now. I mean, it's understandably so. Yeah, yeah. It's I, really, I, we got a lot. It was interesting that they don't list this show as horror. It's like um, drama, but there are so many horror elements to this that it should be. It's a slasher. I completely agree. It's a slasher. This is like uh, Hitchcock Psycho in a sense, you know? This yeah. is a psychological horror if there ever has been one. Um, and I also think it takes a really unique angle, which is this toxic fam fandom where we have our main character, Dre, absolutely obsessed with what is to be our Beyonce kind of analog. Um and I'm, I was trying to think if there's any other horrors that overtly do this, where it's a psycho fan of a celebrity specifically. And I don't know if you remember the Wesley Snipes, Robert De Niro, the, the fan. fan. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. only thing that could really pop into my head that was hidden. And of course, Robert De Niro's um, The King of Comedy is comparable to right. that. If you've seen the new yeah. Joker, that really kind of is a retread of an original De Niro film, which is funny why he ends up this talk show host in the way that he stalks a talk show host in that one. Yeah. Other than those two, celebrity horror stalking? Is that, that's, that's, it's, it's nice terrain. It's great terrain. It happens all the time, sadly, for these people. I mean, was it last year or the year before Lady Gaga had that stalker and they, they ended up stealing her dog? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. And then I guess she paid them for it back or something. It was like a, a hostage. I don't know how that one ended. But interestingly, I wasn't even aware what inspired Swarm until I did a little research. And yeah. you, you heard about this, right? Did you hear that rumor when uh, Beyonce's Lemonade initially came out? Uh, no, I did not. I'm, I'm out of the loop as far as pop music goes. I'm there. <laughs> yeah. For, for the rest of you who don't know what we're talking about, apparently when Lemonade dropped there's this rumor going around that this girl named marissa 
killed herself over it. Um, Interesting. And then, of course, Marissa is our character that has supposedly committed suicide in our, our first episode, titled Stung. Stung. Well, yeah, like, set up what does Swarm even refer to, then? Swarm is... Um... The, the the name of the fandom really it's like the the fans of this beyonce type pop star are all of these bees to the queen bee yeah yeah hi it's the beyonce's group is the, called the hive right 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 because <clears throat> she's the queen bee is as far as i i know this uh i really really liked the usage of the the Bees sound effect, yeah, no triggering right before something terrible. Absolutely, um, I mean, in so many ways, she does become an iconic serial killer or, or you know, monster almost. You could say in the vein of Freddy or Jason. I think right. Dre could be up there. Uh, yeah, in yeah. how psychotic in the way that she's able to do damage, like they're none of them do. She puts on masks similarly. Uh, which we'll get into, but let's break down the premiere. Okay, so what what you really get out of this first episode is uh, establishing of our our main character and her best friend, as well as a boyfriend, because this this show almost within I think the first five minutes is like sex scene. Which yeah. there's a lot of a lot of uh, sexual undertones oh, to this series. Sex, food, and violence. Yes. That would be a core word as well. If you were to do one of those uh, word bubble things, you put in the entire thematic range of this, that would be the three that were the largest. Well, words. I bet you could also, and I hadn't thought about it too much, but I bet you really could dive down into the series. And there are seven episodes, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there are seven deadly sins. Interesting. Okay. Because, All right. Because gluttony popped up after one of her first, if, if not the first murder. And I don't want to jump ahead too much, but as far as this theory goes of mine, there, there's, um, it was reminding me of the movie Seven, you know, like the okay. different, the different yep. killers and, um, and again, I could be, I could be reaching here and I, I'm not going to go. It's a fun now, theory. So let's let's yeah. try and break it down as we go through the episodes. Which then yeah. do you think is the first one? I I think this this first one is um, well I don't know if it, because this first episode deals with suicide, which is not yes. seven day, deadly sins I don't believe. But when Dre kills for the first time, mm -hmm. she jumps into the refrigerator and starts. <laughs> While she's moaning, like yes. not not even I mean, this is a a pained moan. Uh, but while she's snarfing down gobbler or whatever, cobbler, cobbler, gobbling cobbler, gobbling cobble. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see well, I didn't see the murder coming, and I didn't see no, yeah. That's I think that's what people need to understand when they watch this premiere is it turns into something that the premiere does not even hint at until the very end. I will say as this character progresses, it has so much evolution and such that in the first episode compared to the last, it's not the same. It's not the same character almost, you know, in right. the first one, I didn't 
I didn't see any of that coming. I, I saw our main character, Dre, is more of this socially auti autistic, potentially, character that doesn't know how to relate with people. And then at the end of it, it's more of a sociopathic, psychopathic thing instead of it like an awkwardness and a, you know, a, a disability of sorts is what it initially came came off as. And then it turned into something that I didn't see coming at all. Right, right refresh my memory now here is is the death in the first the the killing in the first episode or the second episode first episode and there's potentially two killings and this is something we got to raise at the top because this is an article that just popped up on vulture hours ago today and the theory that's popping up all over reddit now too is that she killed marissa she killed her bff her foster sister marissa to begin with and that the whole business with her going to the club losing her virginity to a very very buff rory culkin i'll, I'll say yeah where did that go yeah. from uh of screen four fame for those of you right right out there uh that that was all a delusion that none of that actually happened and it was her uh manufactured story as we see her start to manufacture fantasy throughout the entirety of the series to make it not her that did that that killed her potentially interesting uh, yes i think i think there's a there's actually a fair amount of evidence throughout the entirety of the series that almost suggests that too um well, sure i mean just to, to jump on that we we learn that um dre is using both phones. Oh. So when Dre sees all the messages from, from Marissa, I mean, those very well could have been her having a conversation with herself, you know, exactly. to just to, to try to make sense of what happened. Yeah, I completely, almost like a horror fight club sort of situation. Yes. Um, yes. And I kind of like that theory better than it just being her completely... Kind of like helpless, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like the idea of her as more of, you know, really mentally out there to an extreme, uh, you know, with some sort of undiagnosed whatever the hell. It, it's scarier that way to me, you know? Sure, sure. I mean, because, uh, I mean, mental health comes up throughout this entire series, starting with, with Marissa's um, and her depression, but... <laughs> yeah, Dre has several things going on, possibly um, multiple personalities. And we see towards the end of the, this the series arc taking on a whole new... Well, it's taking on different characters um, before every murder, too. Yeah. Huh. Uh, That's really interesting. There, there is something there. Um, I, I can't deny because the other things that kind of popped up is when... We do, we'll talk about it later, but the episode where she's with the cult, essentially, of women, um, yeah, yeah. she kind of gets her to admit during that what happened to her, and she says, I hurt her, and yes, it could mean that she hurt her in the more metaphoric sense of wasn't there when she needed to right. answer the phone for her, or it could be that she actually did it, especially as you see her ability to storytell later on yeah. um, and to lie to herself Yes. Uh, it just, and if you think about that la last episode in the context of this having happened, that she did kill um, Marissa, when she does take out her her kind of true love, you could argue the one that had accepted her in 
the most awkward, embarrassing moments, um, but then gets rejected when it comes to the Nyjah thing, and that's kind of what happened when she didn't want to go with the tickets that she spent all the rent money on. Right. And she was about to move out. Some people think she might have killed Marissa to keep her from moving because she wanted to move out sort of thing. There's a lot of motive given what we see her capable of later. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to keep that in the back of our head as we continue yes. to talk about the episodes. That's yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's. Um, I mean, the more you think about it now, the more that makes sense. Uh, because there are so many moments throughout this series, <laughs> the WTF moments. Um, but let, let's, let's, I mean, I know we, we could talk more about episode one. Yeah the things that are going on here because we also have the boyfriend who is putting the moves on Dre. Yes. But I'm not so sure that m makes sense then with this theory, you know? Okay. I, I, I just question that now. Um, how, how would it, how does it go against it? Well, I know that the Dre uses that as one of the excuses to, and it makes it seem like she's lying. When 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 Marissa's telling her she's leaving, and she's like, um, "Your boyfriend, like, he just tried to sleep with me." Like that, right. that never happened. But he is definitely. Well, he implied it. He implied it. Yes, and from her perspective, especially if she's a virgin, that that could have signaled that to her. Which I think I, I think it was a signal that that's the direction he was. Oh, and he would have he would have definitely gone with that if right. she was if she was on board. Uh, he he himself as a character was really really interesting and, and somewhat confusing. Like I think he put up a whole facade, a cool facade. Yes, and um, yeah, I I just don't I just don't know about that. Um, I know it, it's it's a tricky one to consider, but you're absolutely right about this actor who plays Khalid. You do see a range there, and like you said, it's to me a lot of this episode was uh, the the facade, the fronting versus the truth, the deep the deep reality that these people that we learn at the end truly are. Where Khalid is like a puppy dog when she shows up at his house at the end, and you think he's yeah. gonna go in for a kiss, an inappropriate kiss after they've just lost Marissa, but instead he's like, "Would you like some tea?" My mom yes. got this new tea, and it's just delicious, and I've been drinking it all the time. Yes, and he's very vulnerable, and, and he, he admits that he wanted to go to the funeral, but didn't. And I believed him. It wasn't just one of those, um, didn't want to go to it. it. It was really interesting. He had never seen a dead body before. He he was, um, you know, just just worried about the whole situation. And, and yeah, just very vulnerable in that moment. And that was that's another thing about these all these characters that that Dre ends up killing is that there's and I think this is a, a great um, thematic thing that all of these people have two sides to them. They've got right. the side that they put out there into the world or on social media. And then when <laughs> when they're actually in person, they're not that that terrible um, social media presence. Or um, in the in the same vein, you're absolutely right. It's about dualism, and I like that the the uh, the toxic person online versus the the true person. But there's also like sh the beauty that is Nyjah or anybody who fronts out out there and makes them their lives seem so amazing. 
uh, via these, you know, frozen moments that are oftentimes really staged versus what actually goes on, which actually almost makes Khalid's character even a little more sympathetic in that he's hanging out with girls who are struggling and such. And when you look at his house, he's got a really nice house, right? I mean, granted, his parents are gone or whatever, but he's come from a what seems to be a great uh, background, uh, at least certainly compared to the sense in which we get especially from Dre, right? Um, at this point, we don't know anything, right, about their actual relationships. What did you take Dre and Marissa to be? Friends? Actual sisters? Oh, yeah, I, I thought they were just friends. They were so close as friends that they referred to each other as sisters. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely what I thought was going on. Yeah, yeah. And we certainly learn more about that relationship as, as the series develops and the backstories come out. Right. I think the first episode is excellent at misleading us throughout the mm -hmm. entirety of it. I just It just ends with, oh, this is the, the last thing I'm going to mention in this first episode about the potential of her having done it, is because you know that mark that looked like maybe Marissa had tried to kill herself in the past yes. on yes. her arm? Some people are suggesting that that was a defensive mark when we find out later that she stabbed her friend at the sleepover, the notorious right. sleepover that we find out. So that might not have been Marissa trying to kill herself. Maybe she was not suicidal, and that's what we were led to believe early on, and that it was actually a defensive wound from Dre. And don't you know Dre, what kind of watch it a, you know, a speed through the second time, it, some of these things start to click. I don't know. And, and in, that, in that scene that you're just describing, when we see that scar, Dre's reaction is to kiss it right which was another misleading like they don't necessarily seem like sisters they seem right. like well, friends you know just yeah um, and she she almost seems sorry when she sees it like a little guilty yeah potentially yeah so, like somewhat responsible or yeah in terms of direction this is the only one that's directed by uh donald glover who right who's you know the big name behind this all um did you notice like a difference in the construction compared to other episodes? No, I thought this first episode was pretty straightforward as far as direction goes. I saw some really fun um, just point of view stuff throughout the series and other episodes. And something I think is very valuable about the series is they, they bring in different directors for each episode. Yeah, just a cool. point of view. But um um, I I don't think anything really jumped out as far as that goes in episode one. Fair. Did you see the serial killerness coming at the end of the first one? Did you think, uh oh, this is this is gonna set her off? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did. I, I and I think it's because of the weird after moment where she is eating. There there's some sort of connection there that it's um either the idea that she is feeding that part of her yeah you know that she needs to be doing this or some taking pleasure from it yeah yeah is there any significance you think to the weapons in which she used because in this first kill of khalid um she rips a lamp from the table unplugs it yeah. and uses that to mash him in bludgeons he's just, bludgeoning is her her mo you know that yeah. that's her and route think, any significance to being a lamp uh about a lamp, I don't know necessarily about that. I definitely think they decided to not use a phallic symbol. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> the only thing I'm reaching for when it comes to the lamp is like he kind of comes off dim at first, mm. and in, in truth, in the last scene, we see how bright he is and how you know, <clears throat> you know, he, he, there's a certain glow to him that we didn't see, an honesty yeah. to him, and then she knocks his lights out. You know what I mean? I'm definitely <laughs> knocks his lights out. That's that's good. That's good. so yeah. There you go. Let's move on. Episode two, honey. Yeah, episode two, we see um, Dre, Dre is now in Tennessee, right? Yes, she is beginning her, essentially, what do you got, cat and mouse, I guess, with her potential victims. Uh, the next guy on the list who's dissed Nija via Twitter is this um, tow truck driver Tonk. Yes. So we hear, we learn of Tonk before we even meet Tonk because she's there doing a strip tease for this this gentleman, um, who is he's a little in, he's intrigued. I don't know if he's necessarily aroused by what she's doing because he kind of hesitantly gives her a dollar bill because of course she's playing she's dancing to Nija, uh, but then we know she's on the hunt for this guy Reggie, aka Tonk, because in his you know feed is a picture of the strip club and he says it's oh it's my second home right here. Yeah, yeah. So the hunt is on. The hunt is on, and if I was to try to pick out a deadly sin, I I, I might suggest that this one is either lust or greed. I could see that. Uh, and, and I'll say and I'll say greed because there is a moment in this episode where, um, Dre well Dre starts taking money. You know, Dre starts accepting money uh, for the first time. True, because. You know, in episode one, we learned that she doesn't have a lot of money. She didn't have money for the rent. She only spends her money on Nija tickets. Right. And this episode, specifically when they're they're doing their private dance at the um, the college baseball team. Yes, yeah, so like it looks like a bachelor party or something. I, I don't think it's necessarily. Yeah, I think they is, is it a baseball ball? They're, oh, they're driving over there. I think they they asked like, ah, there you who go. Who are these guys? And they said something along the lines of, college. They were raucous, uncouth gentlemen. That's for yeah. sure. They were doing some things that I would not approve of. Right. Um. So she breaks I mean, away. Yeah, and that that party. That's all lust. But yes. The okay. the greed was when. Dre's sitting on the bed, and there's this quote-unquote nice guy who doesn't want to be part of the party because he's got a girlfriend. <laughs> he's trying to be good. Yeah, he's trying to be good. But he offers her money just to pleasure himself in front of her. And yep. she, he says, what does he say? Something about like 20 bucks or something like that or 100 bucks. And then she said like 1,000. Right. Yeah, I think he, I think he said either fifty or a hundred. Twenty would have been like super low. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it doesn't matter because it she dials she it jumps. up, and it's on her terms. She's eating. What is it? Funny? I don't know what she's eating, but she says, "I'm going to still eat." It's <laughs> the very crunchy that she's dipping into an additional. Like it, it's definitely somewhat healthy that she's dipping into French vanilla dip or, or something. Yes. Uh, it's so deep that it's getting up on her fingers and she's licking it off in front of him. Like the opposite of what one would stereotypically see as a, an attractive <laughs> moment for a person. Doesn't stop. This guy lasts what? Five jerks? <laughs> this yeah. is not a children's episode, I guess. No, it's yeah. not. I guess there's there's moments of, of sloth in there as well, isn't there? True. Um, but 
yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that that uh, this character doesn't seem like somebody who does things for for money, and she's literally doing a job where people do it to to make a lot of money. She, I think she's here in this episode, really beginning to know what it means to build a persona and to get people to think she is a certain uh, archetype that she isn't. This is where she becomes like an actress for the first time, and I think we kind of we jumped over. Where she really learns that and really learns, oh, maybe it is about money. And that was when she has this weird relationship with one of the fellow strippers, played by Michael Jackson's daughter, Paris Jackson, um, who, of course, is going to know a lot about fandom herself. This is the first time I've seen her act, and I I was surprised to see her. That did you do? I learned for the first time about how this person was made. Have you heard how Michael Jackson had this young woman? No. I don't think so. He uh, he was going in for skin treatments, and the woman at the front desk said, I'll have your babies, and she ended up having two of his kids, one of them being... Uh, Paris? Paris Jackson. Anyways, yes, so... You know what, though? We have seen Paris Jackson in American Horror Stories. Ah, okay. So she just popped up, All right. but she's a very interesting character. You're right. I didn't, I didn't mean to jump over that. I, I mean, I think... There's a there's a really interesting relationship here where Dre wants nothing to do with this this girl, but she gloms on to Dre. Right. Um, you know, supports her in in the club when no one else does. They don't like her style of dance or her her slow music. And another form of of uh, greed here really is that. What's her name? Haley Halsey Halls? Wasn't she Paris Jackson? Uh, her character, her name. Oh, so yes, was... because she she's acknowledging her American African American heritage, and yeah, I guess Halsey is a mixed uh, race as well. So yeah, yeah. And then she says uh, her dad is half black, which makes her a quarter, really. Um, right. And it was just really interesting. But she's starting to pay Dre for anything. Like, I will um, pay for your meal. I will pay for you uh, to come inside so my boyfriend doesn't think I'm cheating. She's just throwing money at her left and right, and she's taking it. Yes. I thought that was really interesting. And I think this is also where she starts to realize so that she doesn't want to be dependent anymore because she sees how much um, this character, Paris' character, is abused by her boyfriend, right? So she's starting to understand, okay persona and oh maybe i should be working for a little bit of financial freedom so i'm not you know living in that's that apartment she was living in a squalor the characterization there the stuff you see in like the sink and stuff is just so well done terrible there's there's flies around old food yeah and there's Uh, sloth right there there's there's like no self-care with her that's for sure um which is you know that pops up a lot you see in the first episode when she shows up late to work and there's like brown smudges all over her face inexplicably and yeah that's because she took one hit of weed she showed up really late yeah, in a just... state um yeah. yeah so you go from paris and i don't want to jump over the fact that the scene where she uh is kicking the dead body of the boyfriend with her all wrapped up yeah. you, you don't see it going that way and then of course for her to just so abruptly shoot her in the head it was yeah oh, darkly hilarious you got to lose that really great button to that scene where she says, hey, Google, who is 
lose all all the years. Right. <laughs> there is a lot of really funny moments throughout this yeah. that are so subtle. And I will say, as the series went on, I became to like respect the acting chops of oh, yeah. Dom- Dominique Fish back so, so much more as it went on. Uh, there's like some moments that are just really iconic in my head when uh, we'll get to them, I guess. But uh, anything else in episode two that really stands out to you? Well, I guess I have a question. Maybe you could throw sure. some light. Is that why do you think she killed this man who really? This was going against her, her yes. plan of just right. killing people who were, were bad-mouthing her, her queen. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think it's just because she wanted her apartment back and she was trying to get Ferris uh, Jackson's just... character out. I think it was just a matter of, I want to be dependent again, or independent again. Independent yeah, and, again. Yeah, there's... I know you mentioned that. It's just, it's so interesting. I mean, she could have just killed her, and then she does. Right. I don't know. It's just it's just interesting. She, she doesn't want to have to rely on anybody. And there's this really poignant moment in the car where she's in with the strippers as they're going to the bachelor party initially or the baseball players party, raucous party. And she is asked something about what's her what's her take on romance and all that. And she she focuses in on. I don't think we should be, you know, relying on our happiness to be drawn from the male form and men and that we can derive pleasure from other things and the girls all kind of like laugh at her and stuff and i think that's where she really kind of gets in this mind mindset that like you know she can be this bulldozer for nija uh not realizing also that she probably should be doing that for herself but she becomes this machine i think in episode two yeah no i mean yeah, she's well on her way. She is uh, has no problem killing whoever now. <laughs> no looking back. So season, or sorry, episode three of season one, we have her taking a road trip. This is when she learns that, go ahead, you were going to. I just wanted to mention about episode two is I feel like this is where we really get the sense that she is like a Jason or a Freddy because we get her her kill phrase, if you will, which is essentially, who's your favorite artist? Anytime she yes. says, who's your favorite artist, you know yes. she's about to kill somebody. Yes. Um, right. So, you know, it's like, what's your favorite scary movie? Who's your favorite artist? She is a ghost face yeah. of sorts, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, you're absolutely right. Moving into episode three. Is this the episode where we learn of this... Um, I w- I'm going to say... MAGA character. Right. <laughs> because, I I mean, I think that's exactly what they were going for. Oh, 100%. There, I mean, in her Twitter it, bio, it said, Make America Great Again. So, no, no mistake in it. No mistake in that. It's a, a MAGA woman. I thought this was, I mean, the most interesting thing now is that we we really see that she's willing to go anywhere, too. Because we, we have yep. her starting off in, in Houston. She's in Tennessee. Now she's going to go to California, Right. right? So she's yeah, really, this is where she's officially a serial killer. The pattern has begun, right? Yes. And you know, it becomes fun for her because yeah. she her best friend is her phone because through that phone she is, has her connection to Nyjah and to Marissa. This is something we Marissa still can't forget about is that she really does feel like she's there with Marissa when she's watching her YouTube videos or whatever. Yeah. 
that parasocial relationship, as I love to talk about, that one-sided relationship to her is more satisfying and never lets her down in the way that the other relationships do. Um, and yes, and this was this MAGA woman's the one I wanted to see get killed the most. I know. <laughs> Wasn't that interesting that we sort of just go... <laughs> I mean, she's she's sidetracked. I mean, there we've got this really crazy scene at the gym mem- uh, where it show she's basically stalking this woman, and she knows that she goes to this gym. She shows up and just <laughs> pretends to walk by, and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Yep, I forgot my gym membership at home. And she's like, "It's an app, so you're lying." And then there's this guy who mistakes her for something and what he was. It, kind of casual racism there. I mean, you, you, we can't deny the fact this is this is all really dealing with um, not only the relationship between uh, different races, but also different sexualities and how they perceive one another as well, and even yeah. interracial perception between class too. I feel like this show oh, does yes. all of the interesting things so well. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he gets her confused for somebody who. Um, Braid's hair? Is that what it was? And he's like, yes. uh, oh, not for me, because he doesn't, he, right. I think he's bald, right? I'm trying to picture this guy. <laughs> yes, he is. He definitely is a current. And he, he just, you know, he, I, I really thought he was just doing a bit to try to help this girl, and like, just to, Ooh. just. But that's know. what makes it worse, because he actually was faking yes. her. Very, yes. It's, it was inappropriate. She plays along with it, though, because she's getting yeah. good at being who people expect her to be. Right. Uh, which she then does because, okay, this is one of the, if there is a supernatural element, if it's not a fight club thing, she does get a text then from Marissa when she's in the elevator, potentially about to kill this MAGA woman saying, follow the jacket. Because in front of her is a gentleman who's wearing an FLT. Is that the name of the artist that is married? I think so. Nigel? I think so. And it's basically, we see he has a, a, a badge, right? For like right. A, a concert badge. Yes. And we... <laughs> Which is which was crazy because right before that moment she asks the the MAGA woman who's your favorite, favorite artist, <laughs> and she's got that um, kettle weight, yeah, bludgeoning object, which is like the one right. I saw it too, which to me makes me think maybe she does consciously pick uh, weapons to bludgeon them with that is appropriate because we're going over the guy who gets first maimed. This for top of the episode three starts with her. Already being in this guy's house, his truck, talk trash about Nyjah online. Oh, right. She's right, just right. waiting for him and then uh, hobbles him before just watching him, like, crawl backwards to avoid her and then bludgeoning her with... It, it, I mean, to, to own a tool like that, that's, you know, you're using tool. You have the capacity. I don't know. I don't know. This guy was very affluent, it seemed to me. It mm-hmm. seemed like... Uh, she had the opportunity to use like the most efficient bludgeoning tool around because of his lifestyle sort of thing. Right. Uh, I don't know. That's no, that's, that's there's some to the weapons. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think there's also a side of it. That's just really fun to kind of like connect like what we haven't seen before. We didn't get to see the, the kettle bell weight be used, but yeah, it was set up nicely where she just got this weight. It's very appropriate that she's walking around with it in the gym. Although in the elevator, maybe not so much. Right. But yeah, it was, it was a fun um, idea. But yes, she gets the text and she follows this guy home. Crawls into his window. <laughs> and he, yeah, 
He was hilarious. He was one of the sweetest characters. Oh my god, he's so nice. Who I've watched recently, and he was so nice. He just wanted to help her. You know, he 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 saw somebody in need. Right. Uh, she claims that her, uh, somebody's following her. A right. man's following. A domestic abuse victim, and yeah. she needs a safe haven. And since he hears all this ruckus around him that is of that nature, he is very sympathetic towards her. But at the same time, it does seem like there is some ulterior motives with him as well, because, you know, they do ultimately end up getting it on. They do. Um, yeah. But she I also ends up corrupting him. Like, he has been on this amazing diet and regime, like, going to the gym, and she just has the snacks. She busts out her donuts, right? These little powdered donuts that everyone knows are terrible for you. Uh, and despite him being very clear about what happened to him, he's lost his wife to a heart attack because they were yeah. so morbidly overweight. Yeah. And she doesn't care. I mean, this is a moment where we really get a sense of her, her just complete narcissism, I guess you could say. Doesn't yeah. care because he is the sweetest guy. If you if you don't want him to be okay, that being said, she doesn't kill him. And I was worried that that was going to happen. So ultimately, she uses him really efficiently and effectively after having... Yeah, she locks him in that freezer. That's right. With a big old cake. Yeah. <laughs> Which I get, in a sense, is a, a metaphoric death for him. She has absolutely broken his will. Um, yeah, and you're in a, you're in your own prison. You are in your own prison, which is yeah, um, yeah, yeah. This is where she gets to the. I mean, th there's a really fun ending to this episode where she, um, goes to the after party. She infiltrates the after party. Yeah, and this this moment has got to be part of what um, these people online that you you're talking about. They've got to be using this as an example as well because we see her see Nyjah and basically goes into some type of a trance. Yes, exactly. It's a hallucinatory state, 100%. And there's a dessert cart. It's, it's, this is it pearl? So what is she eating there? I don't know. I was a little confused about that too. Something like a candied plum or something. Yes. Chocolate okay. covered something. And it's, it's that connection between food and death that's, it's, um, that's, I don't know if it triggered her, the food, but My. she is imagining things. And then we see her taking a bite out of this. And when she, in fact, she's actually taking a bite out of her hero. Yes. And food, death, and sexual pleasure, too, because I think it becomes very clear uh, that men are not for her. You know what I mean? And I think right, part of her obsession right. then with Nyjah is there's also a sexual attraction to her as well. But you're right. We don't see her actually bite Nyjah. But she... No. Yeah. Which is what I'm going to loop back to the potential situation with her and Marissa. If we didn't see that, she could have been thinking one thing and doing something else and doing the other. Um. Yeah, and then she just, I mean, I think someone says, did you just bite Aisha? Like, why didn't that person stop her? But she's able to just leave out the back yeah. door and it ends with these... These two guys just sitting out there chatting, which was great. <laughs> and I think they even mistake her themselves. Oh, that's the actress from Love and Basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you yeah. know, that is reinforced. Uh, I do, I, let me let me just do a quick byway here, Please. because I was trying to think about li literature that this actually does mimic. Um, and it brings me back to uh, the book of Marjorie Kemp. I might have mentioned her before, but ultimately this is the first book... Written by a woman, but it was it was dictated actually by a woman and, and written mm. down by 
you know, uh, holy men. And that's why you don't know if their truth is actually within that or not. But ultimately, it's similar to her obsession with Anijah. But Marjorie Kemp has these hallucinatory visions of Jesus and God and the, even the Virgin Mary that become sexual in nature and that she kind of uh, just becomes so enthralled with these one-sided relationships. Because at the time, if you think about the celebrities, the only celebrities were these characters in the only book that, you know, poor people had access to. So mm. these were their, you know, pop star, rock star, you know, ones to covet. And uh, I just, I love how this is so rooted in something so old because it's it's all about just being obsessed with the imaginary, you know, with, with creating these relationships based on delusion. Um, and yeah, similar to Dre, this this character, Marjorie Kemp, would black out during these moments of pure ecstasy that she thinks that she was with Jesus or, or God. So, I don't know. I just saw a lot of parallels. No, that's a great connection. That's that's <laughs> That's exactly what's going on here. Um, this episode was called Taste, and I mean, I just described the scene of, uh, of her biting into something, and then actually she's taking a bite out of Nyjah, but do you think this is also, oh, just, I mean, we have we already know that she's got a taste for, for murder, but do you think there's anything about having like a taste for blood connection there? It's very possible because, in a, in a sense, she probably looks at herself a bit like a vampiric creature. I mean, she is a foster kid, right? So, in a way, she she leeches on to people. At least that's how some would characterize what she has she has done, especially when she does not. She isn't a very good foster child. Let's put it that way. So, uh, when it boils down to it, in the way first the family and then specifically Marissa, uh, she just gloms on in a way that. She she yeah. doesn't ever become aware of, I don't think. There was another great scene in this episode with her mopping up the blood of that guy. Yes. That uses a promo shot, I'm pretty sure. Oh, is it? With the white the white floor and then the and oh, she's, with the she's dancing to some Nigel while she was gonna say she's mopping dancing up. Dancing and she's enjoying the hell out of this. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's her form of either. Is she also eating in that moment? I think she is eating, I, mopping. It goes from that. I'm not sure. She, she might have been eating in the very moment, but it moves from her cleaning everything up to going to the fridge to see healthy crap that she's not interested in. Oh, right. Then right. going to the, the right. pantry where all the good stuff is there. All those yeah. sweet, sweet calories uh, that she loads up her car with. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of fun stuff in episode three. Uh Let's let's move on to four though. If you're down, although the only one other thing I wanted to mention was this sweet character who she locks in the freezer. He has a pet skunk. Oh um, no! <laughs> and and that was fun. And she says, "Why don't you get a cat?" <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I love that. Back in something I read a lo long time ago, there was this character who who bought a skunk as a pet, but he went to this like you know rural spot to buy it and the guy who was selling them offered to dip them to dye your skunk for you so you get like God. anyways <laughs> I digress. I'm a little annoyed to see the pet skunk let's put it that way it's, it's yeah. no one up right now yeah I mean it is an interesting choice for for a pet and he even says don't worry 
she won't spray you, whatever. Like, don't. Right. Why, why would you have a skunk as a pet? Is it Maybe just a at fun that point and... he was seeing things black and white, healthy, not healthy, and in walks this gray woman that messes his whole life up. And skunks are black and white. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Running Scared, episode four. Yes. um, Top episode. Top two episodes for me. I love this one. Yeah, this was a great episode. And something I didn't see coming until, uh, well, we we, we see Dre getting pulled over. Yes. And it's so, so interesting because... We as an audience know that the, the, a cop pulling her over could be right. something else. But this was just a, another quote-unquote routine traffic stop. Um, Which was BS because he mentioned exactly. something about the tint. And if she's from a different state, is he going to get that right. sort of thing? It was just BS. Right. He was just pulls her over because she's black. And right. very reminiscent of Get Out's first scene, you know? Absolutely. And we, we also see the blood in the back of the car that she just covers up. Which is the only murder we didn't see, right? I mean, she right. probably killed a bunch of them, but we don't know what happened there right. at all. Why is there blood in the back seat now? Um, but no, we see uh, the cop trying to trick her too, which was just so, f- I mean, mm-hmm. devious. Yeah. Like the name of the hotel. He's like, oh, no, I meant this. And like, you son of a... I mean, anybody in this moment is is scared. Um, but especially, um, I mean, the, obviously the black community for, for no reason getting pulled over, but the position of power here, if you're, you're going to trick somebody there, I mean, anybody could just be like nervous or scared and say the wrong thing. So his tactic here is just cruel. I completely agree, but she starts to learn from it, if you ask me. In, in like, the earlier versions of her, she she can change physically, right? But yeah. now, through this cop and then through these cult women, I think, is the episode that she learns how to psychologically trick somebody. Yes. Versus just yeah. plainly, you know? Um, so, so you're right. It was, you know, horrible, but so I think that is something she, she starts to like, she's like the rogue of serial killers and that she can start to take these traits from the people she comes across to use for her own machinations. That's true. That's true. Uh, and he says he's going to, he's going to follow her, which is just also terrible. And basically he's stalking her now. She gets yep. to a convenience store. <laughs> and this is where we meet the, the cult member, uh, cricket, cricket. right? Cricket. <laughs> And Cricket basically tells the cop to to blast off, and he does. And she, uh, yeah, she tricks uh, Dre basically into coming back to their house, which we yeah. learn. I love the progression of it too, because she first tries to just be kind of like nice and because Dre is looking at some crappy junk food, right? And she's walking by, and she's kind of like nice to like she wanted to say something, but Dre gives her like, "What are you looking at?" sort of look, right? But yeah. then this cricket character goes in, forces a interaction. And granted, yeah. she's doing a good thing by getting rid of the cop, but at the same time, she's imposing a different sort of control over her, I feel like, and exerting a power by doing that that then disarms her and she feels more obligated to then now deal with cricket. Uh, I thought it was, it was it, it's subtle how the relationships in this episode specifically, you know, deal with this 
Caucasian, African-American sort of imbalance of power, which I think is the, the one that does it the most of all the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we all, we also, I mean, I didn't know Billie Eilish was going to be in this. Nor I. I have never so seen her act before. Have you? I've never seen her act. I thought she. I think she's only done vo- voiceover as uh, in The Simpsons, which is interesting because her character does wear a Lisa Simpson shirt left during their hiding. Really? I don't know if you remember that. She it's wearing the cool Lisa shirt, you know, where she's at yeah. the beach and she's got that like the little beret and the yellow glasses. It's like, yeah, I don't know. There was some reason that that just hit me. It was like it's this character trying to be something that they're not, like Lisa was in that episode. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great catch. I didn't see that, but I, I just thought it was interesting. You have an actual pop star in this true in this role, uh, and wow! It, I mean, yeah, I was impressed. I mean, for somebody I had never seen act before, I thought she did a pretty good job. I, I guarantee you'll see more roles, sure. acting roles from from Billie Eilish now, and I thought her character was fantastic. Yeah, as far as um, there's a really great term that they, they, I forget that they call themselves this in this compound and it's about, uh, Oh yeah. Women. The, the, the Decawin unlocking yeah. fem- female potential with Decawin. Yes. Yes. Which was, uh, great. And, and like, I, I, they were, do you think they just pulled her in cause they were just trying to get their numbers up or they really it's because them. it's the forced equity thing. You know, it's yeah. one of those things. It's like they probably themselves went on a hunt for diversity. And the same way yeah. she's going on a hunt, they're yeah, trying to follow their true. own doctrine. Um, so here you go. They can reel in somebody who is obviously very manipulatable. As good as she has it, it taking people's qualities and using them, she's very malleable herself. Um, and the person that breaks her down the most that we've seen is Billie Eilish's Anna because... My question is, were they going to get her tickets at all? Was that all just bullshit? Right. They, she, they knew she was full of shit, so they just slung the shit right back at her. And it yes. was one of those things like they knew the extra layers, but she didn't. So it was another just, you know, she's their puppet sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. They, they were basically uh, doing whatever they could. They they found her weakness, and then they used it again. It's right. just manipulation. Uh, so no, I don't believe that they ever were planning on getting her actual tickets because they, they planned this, uh, her ceremony the same time. Yes. You know, it's just, and they got her so confused. She didn't even know what, what, which way it was up, what day it was at a certain point, which makes me wonder how were they not drugging her or something? Cause right. she did get really lost in it and did seem to buy into it more than I might've expected. Uh, well, we do see some hypnosis happening with the snapping. True. We do see, yeah. in a way, they were definitely controlling her. Uh, Billy Alice was able to get her real name out of her, I thought was impressive. Right. Yes, they got more, essentially, fodder to hold over her, right? They were able to have something to use against her when, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back is taking her BFF imaginary friends away. Via the phone. Yeah, she saw and That's that. where she snaps back into it. Right, right. And, yeah, well, she knew that she was missing the concert. She knew that they were... I think when they when they, they slipped up, when they all started calling her Dre. Right. <laughs> but, Man, but her escape scene was awesome. 
my goodness. It was it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, but I do think it's one of those things that like when she does not have her phone anymore and then she sees that they're lying to her, again, we're getting back to real people are not honest. It's these right. one-sided relationships. The only things that I can count on. Everyone else in my life has, you know, tried to gaslight me or whatever the hell. Yeah. And that sets her off on her uh, little killing spree there. I loved Billy Eilish getting runned over. That was fun. Yeah, it was... Uh, well, hitting her, backing up, running over her again. I loved the the girl on top of the car. It was just such a chaotic scene. And critics are really break. It's a beat down a little bit in the head. Oh yeah, the door the door, the door is being slammed. There's a really great shot though through I think maybe like a greenhouse. It was a wide shot in basically in tranquility and then we see the car pass by and like the, the chaos just <laughs> yeah. one girl thought it. oh yeah yes. it was it was really oh, it was beautiful climactic probably the other than the finale the best climactic scene of any of the episodes the way yeah. this one yes. was structured i thought was probably the strongest structure as a whole mm -hmm. and the most fun you know just to watch because she just seemed so out of place there and didn't realize it and we were it was that dramatic irony of we knew she was getting taken advantage of oh yeah yeah and they were so strategic, I felt like, these girls with her. Like, when the one girl said, okay, I'm going to go go get your wristband now for you. But while I'm gone, we need you to go talk to Anna. So it's like they dangle what she wants to. Yeah, we'll give you something. You give us right. something. But we're not we'll going to do anything. <laughs> Exacto. Uh, it, it was going to be hard to beat that episode. But the next episode, I think, is a harder watch, but still really potent and powerful. Um, called Girl Bye, and the girl in this case is Marissa, because this is her kind of finally coming to accept what happened, and maybe I'm trying to tone a little bit? I don't know. No, no. Am I crazy with the atonement? Uh, I think so. <laughs> I don't, I mean, so because she does this off at the yeah. phone store, right? This episode yes. starts... With this really great character who oh my goodness. is very helpful, and then he's like, no, I can't help you. No, this is feeling a little sketch. He's, yeah. It was so much fun to watch these two because, in a way, they're, they're yes. both you know, selling something. You have the salesman versus the psycho sort of, sort of thing, you know? Right, right. Because right. he wants to make a sale no matter what. <laughs> in the same way, she's going to get that phone activated no matter what. So the way that they played off each other was so brilliant one of my favorite yeah. scenes yeah and we learned that the, the phone is still being paid for by the father right so and this is where we start to get any sense that she was a foster child you know right this is the episode where i feel like we got any sort of revelation that was concrete because up until then we just thought marissa was just a friend or a real sister well, yeah, the, the salesman actually says you know i've seen a lot of family drama so he's he's picking up on the fact that like Whoever's got this phone is is it's probably a parent of some sorts. Right. Uh we don't see her go directly to the house though, do we? Do we see her bring no. it to the house? We have a fun moment, of course, in the mall where she runs into an old friend. Yes. Yes. And Thank this you. is the first time uh, that she is confronted by her own self on the TV screen <clears throat> because there's this hilarious Ellen parody going on where they're oh, talking about um, the bite, the notorious bite, and yeah, I think this is the, this is where I feel like she gets a little more complex in her understanding, and she doesn't like herself. I think from what she hears about herself, if if this these screens are what is 
honest to her. The screen is being honest about how whack job she is, ultimately, mm -hmm. for, for biting this this <laughs> pop star, you know? This is the first yeah. time I think there's any sort of at least self-reflection, maybe not atonement, but a self-reflection that you think she might go one way with, but instead, she's kind of almost taunted by this friend of hers at the mall, who's, you know, yeah. literally fat and happy, living a really banal life. Her biggest worries in the world are her sore nipples. And yeah. how does she react to that? Well, we also see that she has a tattoo. I mean, she's taken these, yeah, she's got sensitive nipples. Nice. She's got children. <laughs> she's removing these cloth or whatever it is, napkins, whatever she's got to try to soothe the sensation of the irritation. And we see that she has a tattoo of Marissa, which <laughs> seems crazy. You're absolutely insane. Especially where she got it put right there. On right at her heart. Um which I don't know could actually intimate other things, um, but I'm thinking in that moment, Trey doesn't believe that they were actually good friends. And I think it's like, if you can lie about who you are in your relationship to her, so I'm telling you what, let me give you a story about what I've been up to. Basically, she says, you want to hear a yarn, I've got a yarn. You want to know what I, where I've been and what I've been doing? Tells this insanely detailed <laughs> well thought out story. Poetic, beautiful. She's an extremely Strong. good storyteller and actress. Yes. But yeah, she she is telling this story about how she learned uh makeup from Marissa mm -hmm. and then she's been you know, using it to get her to what she wants in life. Exactly. In the same way that she's able to fantasize about what Nyjah is to her, can be to her, now this is the first real time I think we get a sense that Marissa now has been deified in a similar way to Nyjah, which really becomes clear in the finale. Um, well, yeah, I, I, do you think that her friend at the mall believed this story? I think she did. I think she okay. did. Um, All right. But then, but then, then she, as she finishes the story, she forces the girl, not forces, but she puts that Slurpee right in her face. Like, I just fed you a bunch of bullshit. Like, yes, please. <laughs> that was her asking, do you be believe what I just said? And even if you don't, you better take a sip sort of thing. Is she, are you drinking my Kool-Aid is what I kind of saw. Yeah, yeah. Out. And kind of... I think there was that subtle intimidation there that she was going to do it no matter what. Yeah, like think okay. that's yep. Would Natalie have her break it in? Yes, yes. We see that this house is a really nice house too. Yes, yeah. It, it's providing more background to, um, well, I guess to Marissa. Like, so something we we didn't mention that I'm gonna just jump back to really quick is at Marissa's funeral. Oh yeah, Dre's asked to leave. Get out by the family. Right. Which is crazy, which is another reason at the start of the show, I didn't think they were actual sisters. I just thought like, oh, her parents, uh, Marissa's parents did not like Dre. Like right. they thought she was a bad influence. So now flash forward, we're, we're finding out that, that, um, th that there is some sort of foster situation here. She knows where everything is at in this house. The dog loves her but she did mm -hmm. find a really funny way of breaking into this house with that ladder 
Oh like, my gosh. All of her break-ins are hilarious. She's yes. ridiculous when she's alone and, and so scary when she's with others. But you gives a new meaning to the uh, phrase home invasion. You know what I mean? Because yeah, she is invading somebody else's home that she shouldn't be in, but at the same time, it was her home, but she was kicked out of it because of what a terrible young woman she was. Right, right. And I mean, yeah, but like she knows where the key, I mean, like even if you, they were just friends, how would she know where the dad kept the key in his cigar box to get to his really private drawer where there's like, like pornography and a gun in there and it's like those are maybe also part of the uh seven deadly the sins but um yeah right I, I thought it was interesting that you know what what did she expect to get out of this house like she was coming in here to ultimately try to get her phone turned back on yes to me this was the quest to like the holy grail or the or the fount of youth or something that was going to be absolutely unattainable right and she is trying to get that phone turned back on so that she's going to be resurrecting both of her bffs right and have more most specifically marissa and have access to all her texts and to be able to text herself as marissa it would seem um and i think that's why then the parents reacted so violently back specifically the well lost your dad when they, the parents do come home i think that they, they just know like so the father says you left the light on and the mom probably almost never does that so they knew something right. was up because when dre approaches the mom she's so she calm even flin yeah they know she's there she's a creeper like that and that's what she'd do like it's like the same old story here we go again yeah she's got a gun on her and she doesn't even move yeah go deal go deal with your father because that's where the drama's at these these are what shows up with the gun with yeah the shotgun and i felt like what they were able to accomplish with this scene was so amazing because while we simultaneously can't help but be a little sympathetic of her, she's in the wrong here. And he has every right to be acting this way, especially if he does feel like she's the reason that Marissa's dead. Or if we don't know, we haven't been told the real truth about Marissa's death. And she, because he keeps saying, you killed her, you killed her during this, yeah. and she actually did. Uh, then, you know, his rage is justified. And I just love because she knows the home when he does go after her, she's able to pull yeah. all this like home alone sort of stuff to like keep him away from her. Right. She like whether it had happened before or whatever, but the way she's able to pull out the drawers to block this door, close this door to block this <laughs> yeah. door. Like, you know this house so well. Like you maybe have had you've been chased through this house before right. by your father. Yes, that's a good point. You know, uh, it, it and sad. Do we do we put any fault on them? Yes, she did dab a girl uh, at a sleepover in her youth. Should they have gotten rid of her? Where do you stand on that? Because in this scene, I think they're vilified a little bit when he says, you were just a check in the mail to me, you know? Oh, yeah. Do yeah, I mean... Uh... I don't, where do we stand on that one? Because that, that's that's where it gets really tricky and the dynamics, the interpersonal dynamics between these characters get... Is that something he's saying to be hurtful or is it true? Or was he being truthful? Right. Because why Why did you adopt, you had a child already, so it, it didn't seem, or or maybe Marissa does, doesn't exist at all, <laughs> right? Maybe she never existed and like Fight Club 
and you killed the version of the daughter we love because this version of you now is oh, crazy. Wow. Because it, I like that. That's fun. Right? Because what doesn't make sense to me is a family who adopts a girl after having a girl. Usually it would be the op- other way around. Like yeah. maybe they had trouble having a child, so they adopted first, and then they were able to have a child. But did you? do you think they had adopted this this girl just to have a playmate for their already existing daughter? See, no, the I think it didn't make sense probably was more about the money. Yeah, it right. you're probably, if she is real. Now you got me questioning everything. Right, right, uh, was she real? But that's that's the thing is that um, you really have to ask, like, why? I mean, I, I certainly believe that they were just, yeah, using this child for probably at least he was. I think the mother's relationship, as we then see in the documentary version of it, uh, I think was a little more complex, uh, if that's yeah. to be believed. Yeah. Um, but the only thing I also want to mention is, is his line. It was one of my favorite lines in the whole show when he's like, they say, because when he's talking about having to resort to adopting her or whatever, that the devil always comes for you when you're at your highest, but what they don't tell you is when you're at your lowest, he's already motherfucking there. (laughs) (laughs) I love this actor. Uh, I've seen him in stuff for years. Uh, Yeah, when I saw him walk into the the shot and you see his actual face, I was like, oh my God, I love this guy. Where has he been? Interestingly, when it comes to the writing, this is the episode that Malia Obama wrote on. Really? Yep. That's crazy. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. There's a Glover gave him a shot, said he wanted her to dip her toes and see if that's the direction that she'd want to go. And this is one of the first things that she's um, go wow. Because she's one of <laughs> only two names on who wrote this episode. So she definitely had a big part of it. Cam, I liked huh? the I thought it was great. It was a great episode of TV. Yeah. Um, we are well over our time, so I think maybe this next one, the mockumentary, we kind of go a little bit speedier for you guys because it is the episode that is unlike all the rest, but it does throw additional question marks up. Um, what did you make of this at first when suddenly we have, uh, you know, different actors playing everyone and we have a, it's a true crime documentary about what we've just watched? Right. So watching it, I mean, at first I was super confused, right? Because you're like, the previous episode, we were just introduced to the parents. Right. And now they're already different people. So yes. my thought was, the was it six, five, six episodes before this, the five episodes before this episode, was that a reenactment? And this is the true story. That we're, were we seeing a dramatization and now we're getting like the real story? But... I, 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 obviously this story was based in reality. This is a mockumentary, right? Because um, a- a- Andrea Green, I think, is who they're 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 talking about as the actual killer. Yes, and then Loretta Green is the cop on the beat that we're following, who is like sorting through all of these uh, cold cases that sound similar and she's hilarious and at times this felt like reno 911 to me but it was with this context that we had just gotten and taken so seriously and then a subvert via what is you know a parody of how these shows are made and how they get you attached to this cop by talking about how she's a family woman first and stuff and then having the uh, actual documentary and maybe stick his nose into it a little bit too much and how can you be objective when you start harassing the social worker i think it was it was a beautiful self-aware episode uh that was doing a lot 
and I could see how some people might have struggled with it. And of course, we actually have him, Donald Glover himself, in this in a scene where he talks about how he's in the middle of making the show for it. Yeah, and I think that was just sort of solidify that it's rooted in reality. You know, I, I think that that you're questioning what's going on in this episode, and then when they show Donald Glover, they you know they really break the fourth wall. Well, that's for sure. Showing that the creator of what you're watching, uh, that that isn't that this is based off of something real. Uh, I I personally thought it was brilliant. Oh, it's it's so good. I mean, there's some really hilarious moments in it. Uh, there's one line where uh, the her mom is saying how after she had stabbed this girl at the sleepover who was playing a prank on Marissa at the time, right? Um, she told her foster mom, "I'm sorry, I spilled the milk," and her foster mom didn't know what that meant, and I didn't either until I was keep clued into it by Mara. She's like, "That means stabbing the white girl, spill the milk." Really? <laughs> no, that. Hilarious. Remember, do, don't you remember when she was talking to Billie Eilish and Billie Eilish was talking about um, telling me what happened and she said, I spilled the milk, uh, but it was red. It was red. The color yes. of the milk. Yeah. I forgot about that connection. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, awesome. It was. It's so well thought out, this whole thing. Oh, man. It, uh, it moves. It's really brilliant. Um, and this one, what else do we? I just, I just love how they're forcing connections. You even got this yeah. other super fan of Naiju who I think is supposed to humanize our killer, but at the same time, he, you don't even know. Well, I don't think I would murder. No, murder is, is it too far? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I wouldn't. He's like really like maybe, I, maybe I would. <laughs> that guy had a lot of character too. I'll tell you what, he was. No, he, I, I just thought this episode was really great about stringing things together. As far as the the cop putting the story together, which is is just a fun thing to to actually see, kind of, you know, connecting the dots for us. But I also thought it was really great backstory on and the, potentially the only actual resolution that we get, given what happens in the finale within right. You know, this could be is more truth than the actual finale, you know, because yeah. at the end of this one, we find out as, as far as we go with this character <clears throat> in truth that she has been arrested after storming the stage of a Nyjah concert. Um, yeah. And after having, you know, played this new character, Tony, who I'm assuming is, was she was she trying to go as a guy? Because the documentarian's like, no, that's a that's a guy. Or was that her brother? Like, no, right. right. There's interesting stuff going on with gender there, and I think that's when I started to realize, oh, you know what? I think she's sexually attracted to Nyjah too, and I hadn't before this finale when yes. then she is much in love uh, with her. She's yes, exactly. And then she starts this beautiful relationship with this girl that feels organic, except for the fact that she was he would, she was trying to hunt her down and kill her for smack-talking Nyjah too. Is that safe to assume? That's my question for you because it's not overtly stated that this was one of her next Nyjah hater victims. It it wasn't, but the start of the episode, we see Tony outside of this club staring directly at her. Yeah. Like, okay. And it's likely, yes. It's, it's, it's pretty likely, but... I think it's been so long since, since Dre or Tony has felt... A human connection of someone actually caring right. and oh, oh, actually liking Tony for who yes. they are. This, this 
angel who falls for Tony is so amazing that sees beyond, I mean, the lying, like, um, did you go forget those flowers? The, the, the flower shop was closed. Like, come on. You have three new cars this month. Like, you're stealing right. these. Sees all of the lies and doesn't care until it really kind of just, you know, the true colors. Like, you're never going to change. You had this money. I had to ask my parents for money, and I hate that. You spent probably four grand on these tickets. Right. And we could have been using it for so many other things. You're selfish, but also the icing on the cake is when she says she doesn't like Nigel. Like, what's that? Yeah, yeah. You just... is that? I want to go back to something I read uh, that Glover was trying to create an antihero with her. That was a combination of Don Draper and Tony Soprano. So I'm immediately going to that scene of Christopher Mal Maltesanti and Andrea with the strangulation here at the end. Yeah. Very intimate. All of the other people that she killed, she took pleasure in uh, watching them die, looking them directly in the eyes. And this one clearly wasn't enjoying it. Plays with the body after it's dead for quite some time and won't look it in the eyes or lit in the eyes, won't look Rashida in the eyes when... Um, doing the deed, uh, but yeah, again, this th she was the most like Marissa to her, right? She accepted her for all of her failures, and, and the, the moment she's the most embarrassed, having her period, and not a big deal, right? Uh, and at that point, we didn't know if Rashida knew what was going on with her, even so, it was like, yeah, yeah, that, know, was her, that she accepted her no matter what. Rashida was too good to be true, and I think that then put her into question a little bit for me when I'm starting to wonder what is real and what is not real now, especially sure. when we go to her parents' house with her, which seemed like it's pretty early in the relationship, A, to go to the parents, right? And then her parents were like George and uh, Alice Cleaver. You know what I mean? Like they, were, they were the perfect parents. And inverse of the work while you're in school. <laughs> right. It was. It, I think it was playing upon like the guest who's coming to dinner. And this is where we have the uh, like inter- intra rather racial politics going on dealing right. with class and you know experiences and privilege and all that so uh, it, that scene with the parents was very strange to me um but you're right she was so good but i will say she was a little little too brutal i feel like and to accept everything and to not accept that she loves nija was a little it did make me not love her that much anymore you know what i mean yeah she i could just be mad but the way she ripped into her i think she needed something to hurt that walk, tony yeah. with yeah i mean but but you're right we don't know if that's real we don't know if that's real because uh, uh tony then goes to the concert finds a ticket scalper kills them yeah. <laughs> um and then th th this is where i i, I think we, we we see our character having created their own happy ending. Yes. Uh, and I think the name of this episode is Only God Creates Happy Endings. Right. Yes, it is. And we see Tony or Dre <laughs> walk up on stage, and this is immediate um, flashback to, to, to season or episode one or two when Dre's looking at old videos of Marissa and at early at concerts and they're they're saying uh that they think as soon as they meet Nyjah she's gonna love them and fight them right. over for dinner and be exactly. friends yeah. so we get this acting out on stage where uh Nyjah's like let her go 
uh, insane. Like, what? Like, there's no way they would have dragged of course. Tony off. She gotten her the second she went over the first fence. She had no problem getting oh, yeah, there was no security there. there. Yeah. And she was doing it rather slowly, especially compared to the CCTV we see in that last episode, in the mockumentary episode of what supposedly right. happened. Uh, yes, I don't think we're supposed to take any of this as, as reality, especially when Nigel's face is literally Marissa's face at this point on stage. Um, and when she does say, okay, go ahead and sing... She doesn't sing. She only says, right. I love you all. So it's not about talent or anything. It's all about the attention that she's constantly looking for and never getting in the right way because it all, you know, stems back to her being abandoned as a kid sort of thing, you know? Yeah. It's also thematically throughout this, this series, we hear how the swarm are family. In the start of right. the the mockumentary of that fan, he says it says it too. Like we we love each other. We're we're family. Right. This was the, the happy ending for 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 Dre because uh, being able to tell all the other fans or quote unquote family that she loves you, I yeah. you all. I love you. <laughs> That's kind of all they ever really wanted was a real family, and they they sought out something That's different really that became family. That's a really good point. Uh, and I think, you know, she's then taken off stage by Nyjah slash Marissa, uh, Marisha. And when they're in the car in the final shot of the finale, I think she's in the cop car, the squad yes. car. Oh, yeah. just hallucinating that yep. she's being comforted. I think she the end, end, in, uh, end of episode five, end of episode six, is her having been arrested despite yeah, the I was great. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really great show. I don't think it's something we're going to see a season two for. I think I don't know. If I don't think we need to. No, no, we don't need to. I just don't know if it'd be like a different story. But right, uh, it really was a different fanatic, maybe a different hive yeah. member. But I don't think it's necessary. I think it's perfect the way it is. I think it was a limited it was series. Yeah, which is fine by me. <laughs> yes, few people. This is a long one. Who's <laughs> <Yeah>. my rules? <laughs> yeah, we haven't done. Um, an episodic like this where we went through every every episode. It's been a while. Resident yeah. Evil, maybe, I think, was the last one. Yeah. Oh, also, R.I.P. to Lance Reddick, who yes. that sucks. was the star of of um, uh, um Resident Evil and, 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 right. and so many other things. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great great depiction that he did of all those characters, speaking of somebody who was able to, you know, put on masks. Yeah, that is tragic. My favorite the uh, moment from him is in the Eric Andre show. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, yeah. It's really good. <laughs> uh, yeah. The man has put, he, he put together a really great uh, run of characters and performances. Yeah, true. Very true. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got to say. Indeed. Thank you for uh, joining us for 50 episodes. Um, and we hope you stay alive for the 51st. 